Ask for a favor. Uh huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friends are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. The 5-0 Pittsburgh Steelers hit the road this week to play the 5-0 Tennessee Titans as two of the NFL's three unbeaten teams. Matchup in Week 7, a matchup that was supposed to happen back in Week 4. It did not due to COVID-19. Everybody listening to this podcast knows the reason why. It's the fifth game in NFL history between unbeatens in Week 7 or later. The winner of the previous four has gone to the Super Bowl. Hello and welcome to Episode 26 of the Come On Network podcast which serves as Week 7 Steelers preview. Kyle Dawson and Jack Hillgrove to start here as we get you set for the Titans and Steelers in Nashville on Sunday. As always, thanks for the subscribes, the streams, the downloads, the ratings, and reviews. You can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get and consume your podcasts, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or another. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Network. That's at C-O-M-O-N, C-O-M-O-N Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on the web, comeon.network. There you can find blog stories, features, call them, hot takes, the pod episodes. Learn more about our team and more, including merch that is here now. You can shop the Come On Network store at comeon.network backslash store. This week, we start with our guest. It's a voice that Pittsburgh sports fans should know and remember pretty well as John Burton joins us. He spent 11 years in Pittsburgh covering our sports in a variety of settings on TV and radio, and he joins us as he's currently reporting in Nashville. He does a show on radio at WNSR and also reports for News Channel 5, but he's going to help us get you ready for this big game. So, John, first off, thanks for doing this. And uh, number two, I guess the, the first question is pretty basic. How big is this game when it comes to the NFL season between two unbeaten teams? Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me on. It's a pleasure and honor to be with you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge game. I mean, the winner of this game gets sole possession of the top spot in the AFC and maybe the inside track to getting home field advantage. Uh, and, uh, you know, an easier path to the Super Bowl. So I'd say it's a huge game. Now, listen, is it a loser-leaves-town match? No, it's not. The loser of this game is still in great shape in terms of what they want to be uh, in the AFC. But anytime you get uh, a couple of unbeaten teams this uh, far into the season, it's going to be, you know, a lot of excitement, a lot of hype. So I know the Titans are excited about the challenge that the Pittsburgh Steelers bring, and I'm sure the Steelers are as well. So it's a huge game. Um, it's going to get a lot of coverage, a lot of media hype uh, before the game and after the game, a lot of scrutiny. But realistically, yeah, the winner of this game is 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 got a little bit easier path to get to where they want to be. But the loser of this game is still not going to be that far behind. So, John, a lot of the people in Pittsburgh can peg the Steelers 5-0 and record on the efficient play of Ben Roethlisberger this season and how dominant the defense has been. What's the talk around Nashville, and what is the, the thing for the Tennessee Titans that has them unbeaten right now? Well, when it comes to the Tennessee Titans, I think it's really two things. Offensively, you're looking at the running game powered by Derrick Henry, and, you know, he, he runs behind one of the best offensive lines 
in all of football. Um, Derrick Henry coming off a 200-yard rushing performance against the Houston Texans back on Sunday. And that's what the Titans want to do. They want to line up and run the football and then work play action off of that with Ryan Tannehill. And uh, Ryan, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill, I think, is the number two reason why the Titans have played so well. You know, the Titans are 5-0, and but you got to remember four of those five games were kind of down to the wire games where Ryan Tannehill had to lead them down in the final seconds to either tie the game and force overtime or to win the game. And, you know, Tannehill's been fantastic this year. He's spinning the ball beautifully. He and Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, are in lockstep in terms of, you know, how the offense should run. And, you know, anytime you have a powerful running game and a quarterback that's smart with the ball and doesn't make mistakes, and we've seen it for years with Ben Roethlisberger, you know, you're going to win ball games. you know, and there's been a lot of talk about Ryan Tannehill. Is he, a, is he a top five quarterback? Is he an MVP candidate? You know, I can't really answer either one of those questions, but I would say that he's playing like a top five quarterback and certainly an MVP candidate. You know, defensively, they've got some issues in terms of uh, getting off the field on third downs. They're not generation, generating a much of a pass rush, but right now the two biggest reasons why the, the, the Titans are 5-0 and are certainly uh, Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. You mentioned the running game and really the offense in general for the Titans. How much of a hit is the Taylor Lewan injury to this offense, and especially on that left side of the line? And given so what Pittsburgh has in, in the pass rush, being able to go at whoever it is that's going to start at left tackle. Yeah, they're going to go with Ty Sambrello, a guy that they, you know, signed during the offseason. And sure, you know, he's a good football player. And, you know, um, he obviously he's a good football player. He's drawing an NFL paycheck, right? But he's not Taylor Lewan. He's not a three-time Pro Bowler. He's not a guy who at one time uh, was the highest paid left tackle in all of football. And listen, we all know what the Steelers bring on defense, right? They're mean. They're nasty. They're like 11 Terminators out there. They don't care about your feelings. They don't, you know. They cannot be bargained with, they cannot be reasoned with, and they will not stop until you are dead in a football sense. They are mean and nasty, and you need somebody just as mean and nasty uh, in the trenches to kind of stand up to that, and that's what Taylor Lewan brings, those intangibles. He's a guy that likes to go to the fist fights. He's a, he's a guy that likes to mix it up. And so you're going to lose that when you lose him on the left side. So that's a significant loss, not only for the season uh, for the Tennessee Titans, but certainly heading into this particular game against that mean, nasty Steeler defense. Yeah, and the Steelers had uh, a guy go down with the same injury this past week, Devin Bush, the middle linebacker. Uh, for the Tennessee Titans this year, John U. Smith, the tight end, is the leading receiver, 234 yards, five touchdowns. His play, combining no Devin Bush, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, if you had to rate that, well, how big of an issue is that for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week? Well, John Smith was certainly coming into his own. This is a guy that kind of learned under Delaney Walker the previous three seasons. And, you know, Delaney Walker left football, left the team, and John Smith was really starting to come into his own as one of the better young tight ends in football. And he went down last week with that ankle injury, and you're right. And he was, you know, we know what a great athlete Devin Bush is and what a terrific inside linebacker. But, you know, he's a uh, – John Smith is a, is, a, is a matchup problem for, you know – inside linebackers, safeties because of his speed, because of his physical nature. So uh, if he's not available or if he's only, you know, 80, 85%, uh, that's a problem. Now they did, you know, his backup actually had a good game last week, Anthony Perkser. He had eight catches for 113 yards against the Texans. But the good thing about what the Titans do, you know, the uh, Tannehill's had five different leading receivers for each game. So he can spread it around. It's going to be up to the offensive line, obviously, 
to keep him protected and keep guys like, you know, Dupree and Watt off of his back for a game, which is easier said than done, especially, like I said, when you're a little weaker on that left side without Taylor Lewan. Granted, a lot of what the offense for Tennessee has been able to do has been based off what Derrick Henry is able to do in the run game. But I think you made a good point earlier in that Ryan Tannehill is playing like a top five quarterback right now, whether that's based off the play action or just making plays. Derrick Henry had a couple touchdowns a few weeks ago in the Titans return uh, from the COVID situation. But Tannehill off play action, even though he didn't have a ton of yards, was awesome in that game. Is that something that, that Tennessee fans maybe were expecting coming into the year? Or is Tannehill playing a little bit better than maybe expectations were down there? Well, you look at Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he took over as a starter last year, week seven, and the Titans were two and four. And they were struggling with Marcus Mariota. They were only averaging about 16 points a game on offense. Tannehill takes over for the final stretch of the season. That average points per game goes up to 30 points a game. You know, Ryan Tannehill had been well-established here going into the season. You know, they signed him to a new four-year deal. Um, He's now 14 and four as a starter. Um, You know, I think the Titans fans expected – him to kind of pick up where he left off. And he certainly did. He said that this week. You know, I fully expected for us as an offense to pick up where we left off. Uh, some of the intangibles he brings, you know, c- tremendous accuracy with the football. And, you know, we mentioned the fact that he's had to mount some late drives in four of the Titans' first five games. There's only been that one rocking chair win over the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, his coolness and his calmness in those situations – Listen, you guys seen it forever in Ben. I used to see it in, with Ben when I covered the Steelers, how calm and cool he is. We all remember that great Super Bowl drive that he had to beat the Cardinals. Uh, you know, the truly great quarterbacks have that uh, ability to slow their heartbeat down and just concentrate on the task at hand. And Ryan Tannehill showed tremendous aptitude for being able to deliver in crunch situations. Now, you know, the Titans are kind of – they're kind of walking a tightrope. You know, you can't win like that every week. Sooner or later, you know, the other shoe's going to fall. But Titans fans have the utmost confidence in Ryan Tannehill that if the game is tight and you need a drive and you need points, number 17 is going to be able to get it done, just like Pittsburgh Steelers fans have been knowing for years that number seven will get it done. So, John, obviously um, with the COVID-19 situation in the Titans, anybody that covers or follows the NFL uh, has seen and or heard about the things – um, that they've had to go through with all the cases. So they've had to do that, and they're still 5-0. and what's, uh, what's the secret to being able to deal with that? Because as I could imagine, it's probably a pretty, you know, um, wrench in an NFL football season, or at least it could have been, but they're still 5-0. and So what's been the secret? I think a couple of things, Jack William. I think, uh, I think number one is, you know, their leadership, both in the locker room and on the sidelines. You know, Mike Vrabel is a guy that, really reminds me a lot of Mike Tomlin, a guy that's, you know, disciplined, he's focused, he leaves no stone unturned, he's, you know, they're a no-excuse outfit, just like the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you look at some of their leaders, we mentioned Tannehill, Derrick Henry's become a leader, Kevin Byard, they're all pro safety, he's a leader, they've got young leaders now, they're two inside linebackers, Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans, Mike Vrabel has the comfort of knowing that his locker room is, is in good hands in terms of leadership, and it's all about staying focused. It's all about the task at hand. And, you know, this is 2020, guys. We've all had to adapt and adjust and change a lot of things about what we do, but we have to keep doing what we do. And Vrabel's uh, made it very simple. It's like, well, if we can't practice, if the facility's closed, fine. We'll, we'll have virtual meetings, and we'll still get our work done, and we'll still get prepared for the task at hand. I mean, that's why 
uh, it was such a big surprise to me how much they blew out the Buffalo Bills. They'd only had two practices in their previous six in the previous 16 days, and they go out and, and on a Tuesday night, uh, early evening here in Nashville, because we're an hour up behind Pittsburgh, we're in the Central Time Zone. It was an early evening start, very unusual. Only a few thousand fans in the stand due due to COVID, and they go out and they just they open up a can on the Buffalo Bills like that they had been practicing all along. And you know, Mike Vrabel's really establishing himself as one of the better coaches in the NFL because he's been very, very adept at handling adverse situations. He learned under Belichick, obviously, playing for the Patriots. He learned under Bill Cowher as a former Pittsburgh Steeler. So he understands that the good coaches know how to adapt and change when when adversity strikes. And uh, his team is a great example of that. John, I want to ask you about uh, Mike Vrabel here in a second, but I want to dive into something real quickly uh, on what you uh, the COVID situation with them. How much was of a big deal? Maybe was it down there? They're apparent and alleged. And I don't know if it's been proven yet, but the practice that those guys apparently held at the high school was that a big deal down there? Because to me, as an NFL fan, we're watching from up here on that Tuesday sure. night game, and Taylor Lewan comes out out of the, off the field and basically says, oh, well, the haters, what are they going to say now? And to me, and I don't really care in the end of things, but that's a weird comment to make for me because if a protocol was broken and they were gathering when the team facility was supposed to be closed, that to me is not adversity that the outside world brought into them. So I don't know how much of a big deal that situation was down there. Well, I can tell you, to be honest with you, it barely made a ripple down here. You know, it was reported my colleague over at News Channel 5, Steve Lehman, was one of um, amongst the ones that, that broke the story and really barely made a ripple. The fans basically said, hey, you know, we're undefeated. You know, we don't, it's not that we don't care, we're not concerned, but it's, it's not a huge deal for us. And as far as Taylor Lewan goes, that's just Taylor. You know, he, he's, he's, he's that guy, as we like to say. Uh, he's very vocal and, you know, he's been – pining for years, you know, and, and we've seen it in Pittsburgh. I've seen, you know, I've covered many of Pittsburgh athletes, especially a Pittsburgh Steeler that said that, you know, the guy that says we don't get any respect, you know, we don't get any notoriety. Everybody's against us. I will say this though, that some of the backlash that the team got nationally, the team is using as a, as, as a, as a chip on their shoulder to say, all right, well, you know, you feel like you feel a certain way about us. Well, we're going to, we're going to go out and, win football games and kind of rub it in your face a little bit. So it's not, it's not uncommon. A lot of, a lot of teams have guys like Taylor Lewan. I mean, I, my days covering the Pittsburgh Steelers, I had a great relationship with Joey Porter. He was my guy. You guys know he was a guy that liked to stir things up. And you've had guys like, you know, Ryan Clark and going way back when you guys were really young, Lee Flowers and, and, and some of these guys. So, you know, Taylor's just that guy. And it's, he's, he's a guy, but that's, that's the way he leads his particular team. And, he doesn't mind rubbing, you know, other fan bases and other teams the wrong way. Well, there you have it. Uh, I want to make my, I want to get to my question here about Mike Vrabel. I mean, obviously he comes from the Bill Belichick coaching tree, having played under him. Uh, and to me, he looks like one of the best coaches in the NFL last week. He goes out, intentionally takes a 12 men on the field penalty to save 40 seconds. That ends up essentially winning Tennessee the game. And it wasn't the first time we'd seen that from him. He did it up in New England too during the playoff game taking the penalties. I mean, how much of a genius is he and how much of a great coach can he be going forward? Well, that goes to show just, you know, just flawless preparation. I think he learned that from Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has a plan for every situation. And Mike Vrabel was smart enough to learn that that's what I need to do uh, as a head coach. You're right. We've seen him kind of, you know, and we all know Belichick is kind of 
you know, bent the rules a little bit here and there, some, some, some more than others. But, uh, yeah, you know, Vrabel's one of those guys, he wants you to think he's just some big, dumb jock, ex-middle linebacker. But he was known, you know, throughout his playing days with the Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs. You know, he, he made first-team All-Pro, I think, in like his 14th year in the league. And you don't do that unless you're a smart, instinctive football player. And, and that's what he's always been. He's a, he's a highly intelligent guy. Um, he's, he's learned from some of the best football programs, college and pro in America, when you're talking Ohio state, when you're talking to Steelers, the Patriots, and, you know, like I said, he brought a lot of leadership to the, to the chiefs. And, uh, I think those are some of the intangibles that make him such a great head football coach. He has a knack of knowing when to, you know, do certain things, make certain personnel moves. Not unlike a Mike Tomlin, who I've respected since day one when he got to Pittsburgh. So the great coaches have that knack, you know, I go back before you guys were even born in the 80s, you know, uh, growing up in New York as a Giants fan watching Bill Parcells, he was the same way, always an answer, always prepared for every situation no matter what. John, you mentioned earlier about the Titans' defense and some of the the issues that they've had, you know, middle of the pack numbers-wise. One of them really that sticks out to me is how quiet Jadavion Clowney's been, uh, the new acquisition over the offseason. Is that just a matter of him, you know, sitting around in free agency and getting into the system late? Uh, and if it is, uh, when are you guys, uh, especially you guys that cover the team, um, expecting him to kind of break out and be the player that he's been his, the majority of his career? Well, to be honest with you, Jack, I really thought it would have been by now. Um, but, you know, is it is it reason to be overly concerned if you're a Titans fan? I don't think so. Jadavian Clowney got here, as you said, very late. I mean, just a, less than a week before the opener, he was signed and brought in and, you know, the, the consensus seems to be he's still working his way into football shape. I would think after five games, he, he would be, you know, ready to go. Now, listen, the COVID thing obviously slowed things down for a lot of the players in terms of conditioning. But, you know, he has not generated the consistent pass rush that they thought that he would generate. You know, he's batted down a couple of passes. But you're right. People are waiting for him to kind of get going. I can tell you this, Titans fans all offseason – were clamoring for this guy. We got to sign Jadavian Clowney. We need Jadavian Clowney. And I think he's getting close. I think he's getting to where we're going to see him. You know, I just have a feeling like once he gets his first sack under his belt, I think they're going to come in bunches. But, yeah, we've certainly been waiting to see it. But the Titans as a whole, guys, I think only have like seven sacks or something like that. So um, the pass rush has been a big problem for them, uh, or lack thereof, I should say. They don't have a lot of sacks on the season. Um, and also not getting off the field on third down. You know, even though they pasted the Buffalo Bills, um, Buffalo was 13 for 17 on third down conversions. Houston Texans the other day, you know, they were 50% on third down. A big reason why they were able to get back in that game, even though the the Titans had a pretty big lead at halftime. So uh, pass rush in general is an issue right now um, for the Tennessee Titans. But, yeah, people are waiting to see uh, Clowney break out. But, I think for me, if you're asking me, I think it's just a matter of, you know, let him get that first sack under his belt, and I think they're going to come in bunches. We've seen that before with the great pass rushers over the years. How much of a challenge does this Pittsburgh offense present to that that defense? I mean, Pittsburgh's got the Ben Roethlisberger factor back, and James Conner's been pretty good on the ground this year, and then you have the whole host of receivers that can kind of do damage. So what's the challenges that they present the Titans defense? That's a huge challenge just based on what I said, you know, just the fact that, you know, when you're a team not generating a pass rush and you have a future Hall of Fame quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger and he has all day to throw, he's going to pick you apart. And you guys have seen what Claypool has done and, 
Juju Smith-Schuster is obviously an outstanding receiver. Two good tight ends in, in, in McDonald and Ebron. I mean, you know, the, the Steelers, everybody's talking about their defense, but they're bringing a lot to the table offensively. I mean, that was an eye-opener, what they did to the Browns the other day. And, listen, you don't have to sell me on, 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 on Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I covered the first probably seven, eight years plus of his career, and we all know what he can do. And the fact that this guy, 38 years old, has been able to come back after a serious elbow injury and surgery and to play as well as about as well as he's ever had. And the fact that he's a lot smarter now, he's more willing to sit into the pocket and sit in the pocket rather and, and, and trust his offensive line. And, you know, he's still spinning the ball extremely well. This is a huge test for this Titans defense. You know, they've, they've got a lot to clean up this week if they hope to slow down uh, uh, big Ben in that offense. And like I said, the two main things are going to be getting off the field on third down um, and, and getting the pass rush. And all that starts, as you guys know, with stopping the run. And, uh, you know, if they don't contain the running game, they've done a better job against the run the past couple of weeks. But, you know, if James Conner gets going and that offensive line gets going and, and getting some, you know, getting some surge going up the field, it, it could be a long day for that Titans. Defense. So a lot of concerns for Mike Vrabel and, 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 and Shane Bowen, who kind of combined to uh, uh, run this defense. They're going to have their hands full this week, no doubt. So you have a very unique perspective on this game because, as you mentioned, you're very familiar with Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin football covering here in your time in Pittsburgh. And obviously now you're down in Nashville and you've been covering uh, this Titans squad for several years now. So I really want to ask you, based on your familiarity with both squads, what kind of football game are you expecting on Sunday? Well, I'm expecting a bare-knuckle fistfight for, for 60 minutes. I think, you know, the, the, the Steelers, we know we're going to bring the physicality, and I think the Titans understand – that this is a game where you're going to wake up sore on Monday. You're going, to, you're going to need some extra time in the tub. And I think they're prepared physically. Again, not having Lawan really takes away a lot of that physical element, especially on the offensive line of scrimmage. But, um, I'm, you know, like I said, the beauty of this game is styles make fights, right? The Steelers do a great job of stopping the run. The Titans want to line up and, and, and run the football and be just as physical. So um, whichever – you know, unit wins that battle will probably win this game. So, yeah, you're right. It's a unique game for me. I've been down here for eight and a half years now, you know, covering the Titans. And, of course, I covered the Steelers for over a decade. Man, I'm old. You guys are so young. But I'm, I'm old. But, uh, yeah, it's it's unique perspective for me. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing which uh, team will be able to impose their will for 60 minutes and come out on top. I, I – I wish this game were right now. I wish I wish they were kicking this game off right now. I'm sure you guys are wishing the same thing. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Can we get you to give a prediction? Or are you going to get in trouble with the people down in Tennessee that might tune into this? <laughs> no, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I just feel like uh, the Steelers have a lot of momentum right now, and uh, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh to win by a field goal. Close game should be an outstanding game, a lot of big plays, but uh, I give Pittsburgh a slight edge in this game. There you have it, John Burton. He's down in Nashville, and as you heard, been down there for about eight and a half years now since over a decade here in Pittsburgh. John, thanks for doing this with us. Guys, let me say this. It's a pleasure and honor to be with you guys. It's great to see young guys like yourself, you know, really taking the bull by the horns and, you know, doing podcasts and talking sports and having fun. And, you know, if you guys are just, you know, stick your nose to the grindstone, keep working hard, stay coachable, stay humble, the future looks bright. So, I'm proud of you guys, and anytime you need me, just call me. 
We will do. Uh, Coming up next, we'll have our half of this Steelers preview podcast episode. Episode 26 of the Come On Network podcast continues in just a moment. Again, a thank you to John Burton, who joined us to help preview the Steelers and Titans from News 5 in Nashville, former Pittsburgh sports reporter as well for over 10 years. He was our guest on episode 26 of the Come On Network podcast. We continue that now. It is Jack Hillgrove stepping out. It is Donnie Chedrick and Joe Smeltzer stepping in alongside with me, Kyle Dawson. Let's get you set for it. And guys, let's talk general thoughts. We'll, we'll kind of go through the same format as we did last week for the Cleveland Browns preview episode. And let's just talk generally our, our thoughts on this game. It's supposed to happen in week four. It happens now in week seven. And as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, first time or fifth time rather in NFL history that a unbeaten team has faced an unbeaten team in week seven or later the last four times the winner of that game has gone to the Super Bowl so this is a big one is a very big one at least by regular season game standards I think when we looked at the schedule preseason we saw Tennessee as a game that could be a little more significant than average of course the Titans made the AAC championship game last year to have one of the best players in football and Derrick Henry but Obviously, we didn't expect the game to happen in week seven as opposed to week four. And we didn't expect the Titans or the Steelers, for that matter, I don't think, to be quite as impressive as they have been. These are two, I think, of the top five teams in the NFL right now. Could very could very strongly argue that. And it's definitely – it's it's not going to be boring, we'll put it that way. I'm very excited to see uh, what goes down and who remains unbeaten. Hopefully, the Steelers can move to 6-0. and But – there's a good possibility that they fall to five and one. We will see. Yeah, I would almost say that for both of these teams, they wish they played the other one whenever they were supposed to back in week four because now uh, both the Titans and the Steelers look like two of the most legitimate teams in the entire National Football League. Uh, The Steelers are coming off a blowout victory over a division opponent. Uh, that not many people saw coming. Uh, you know, they pro- they probably saw the Steelers winning the game, but certainly not by 31 points. And the Titans are coming off an overtime win against a, a Texans team that, uh, as of two weeks ago, was taken over by Romeo Cornell after Bill O'Brien got fired. Uh, and, you know, the Steelers played that same Texans team. That's a very talented team because they have a very talented quarterback. But the Titans have looked – uh, mightily impressive through some of their games. The Buffalo game, I think, opened a lot of eyes, uh, putting 40-plus points on the Bills. And then uh, coming back with an overtime win against the Texans and once again putting up 40-plus uh, points. That's not going to happen against the Steelers. If the Steelers allow 40 points in this game, I would be thoroughly shocked, especially after the Steelers held the Browns to just seven. Uh, and I certainly don't think Derrick Henry is going to have the day that he had last week when he had over 200-plus yards. Yeah, wins over Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota by a combined six points at 16-14 over the Broncos, 33-30 a field goal over Jacksonville, a point over Minnesota, 31-30. Then the big Buffalo game, 42-16, and Donnie mentioned the overtime win against the Houston Texans last week, a six-point victory. 
Uh, and a lot of credit goes to Mike Rabel in the offense of the Texans last week, or offense of the Titans, rather, getting to that win. A couple numbers for you. Tennessee is the second-ranked yards-per-game offense in the NFL at 422. They're the second-ranked points-per-game offense as well at 32.8 points per game. Uh, middle of the pack, they're 11th in yards a game with the passing game and then the rushing attack, 5th at 157.8 behind the horse and Derrick Henry. Defensively, they're a bottom 10 defense. They're 26th in passing or in, in yards per game allowed. They're 28th in passing yards a game. They're 26th again in rushing yards a game, and they're middle of the pack, allowing 25.2 points per game. But the big difference, at least to a degree, is the turnover margin. It's plus six for the Tennessee Titans, which is tied with Seattle and Baltimore for the best TO margin in the league. On the other side, the Steelers ranks middle of the pack offensively in yards per game. They're fourth in points at 31.2, bottom third in the pass game, top 10 in the rush game. Defensively, it's really good. Second in yards a game allowed behind Tampa Bay by three points, by three yards rather. 219 yards a game in the pass game. That's eighth best. Second in rush defense at 66.2 a game. That's really good. Tampa's at 64.3, and they've allowed 18.8 points a game. That is the third best scoring defense in the NFL. Turnover margin uh, is plus five. There are some pretty significant injuries, and I think one that we need to circle and keep an eye on throughout the rest of the week. We're recording this Thursday night, and who knows what will happen Friday at practice. Uh, we talked with John Burton. He, we were talking about John U. Smith a little bit. He went limited on Wednesday, was full on Thursday. Uh, Davion Clowney was full after it did not practice yesterday. A.J. Brown added to the injury report on Thursday. He did not practice with a knee injury after missing two games earlier in the season with a knee bruise. And that's something to monitor because A.J. Brown, not only has he been very good in the receiving game, and the Titans will have Corey Davis back from the COVID list this week. Uh, they also lose Taylor Lewan, but A.J. Brown uh, had missed two games, and he went full on Wednesday before being a non-participant today on Thursday as we record this. On the other side, Deontay Johnson full in back-to-back days. Juju was full today. I think the one big pressing concern, and DeCastro was full, by the way, the one big concern for me for the Steelers is Mike Hilton. He has not practiced the last two days with the shoulder injury, so we'll have to see what happens with him. Uh, in terms of general thoughts on this game, and, and we're going to go through this in keys to the game and X factors, but this is a really good football team against a really good football team, and I think it's strength on strength. And I forget who it was in the national media that said it, but this is a rushing game led by Derrick Henry that is going to have to be stopped, and that's the strength of the Steelers' defense is stopping the run game. And, again, we'll talk about that as we go on throughout our segment here in the preview uh, but I think that's the biggest general point that needs to be made about this game. And two 5-0 football teams, uh, there should be, I don't want to say bad blood, but maybe some Steelers' little motivating factor is the fact this game should have happened in week four and didn't, you know, because of the COVID situation. So we'll have to see if that impacts the game at all. Let's turn over to our keys to the game. And I imagine this might be short and quick because I think the biggest key to the game is that rushing attack. Absolutely. And the Steelers uh, defense, it's bread and butter is stopping the run. We've seen it multiple times this short season already. Saquon Barkley couldn't do anything last week. Kareem Hunt couldn't do anything. Miles Sanders has a pretty, had a pretty solid stat line against the Steelers, but aside from one big run, he didn't do much of anything either. And I think Henry is the best back. Uh, I think he's the best back in the NFL, and he's definitely the best back the Steelers have faced at this point and probably are going to face all season. Um, 
But if they can hold him to below Derrick Henry's standards, at least, I think they'll be all right. If Henry's able to have uh, – we'll set it at 80. If he has fewer than 80 yards, um, that puts the Steelers um, in pretty good shape. Of course, there's a lot of other variables, um, especially with how well Ryan Tannehill has played. But I think, yeah, you hit it on the head. And the Steelers got to stop the run, or at least you have to contain the run to a reasonable level. I know the Titans' run game is certainly the main focus, and that's something that will almost certainly be my X factor, uh, you know, the horse up against the Steelers' defense. But uh, in this case, I think the big key for the Steelers is to not take Ryan Tannehill lightly. Uh, last season, he was tremendous. Uh, he, he, you know, won comeback player of the year, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, a rating of 117. This season, six touchdowns, one interception over 800 yards. So he hasn't had to do a tremendous amount because he has such a good run game with such a good running back behind him. But don't take the guy lightly. Uh, I know we would all feel a little bit better if the Steelers limited Derrick Henry and had the mentality that Ryan Tannehill had to beat them. I know I certainly would, uh, but they can't just act like he's just uh, some Joe Schmo quarterback that doesn't stand a chance. Uh, ever, ever since he left Miami and Adam Gase, who has pretty much proven he is quite possibly the worst head coach in NFL history, he's turned his career around. Uh, he's become a solid NFL quarterback, and I think the Steelers have to respect that a little bit. Yeah, I think Ryan Tannehill, especially off play action. Again, we talked about John Burton with this uh, earlier in the episode, but especially off play action, Tannehill's been awesome this year. I'm going to stay away from uh, what is the very obvious key in Derrick Henry in this game. My, my key is going to regard the Steelers' offense. You've got to do what this offense should be able to do against a defense that cannot get to the quarterback. They've got seven sacks in five games. That's just over a sack a game, so that's not getting to the quarterback at a level – that even the Steelers are or even any of the other really good pass rushing teams are. You've got a double-edged sword, though, because the Texans aren't – or the Titans, rather, aren't going to allow a ton of sacks. Uh, they've only given up six all year. Now they're without Taylor Lewan, their left tackle. But uh, anyway, back to the Steelers' offense, this is a defense, and I spelled out some of the numbers earlier, that isn't very good, especially against the pass. Maybe this is the game we talked about this last week with Cleveland with, with the rush defense for the Browns and the pass defense for the Browns. Maybe this is the game Ben Roethlisberger has to start throwing the ball around a little bit more, and maybe this is the one he wins for the Steelers. I think this offense being able to do and force its will uh, what it should do against this Titans defense, whether that's running the football or passing the football, pass catching, and then running the football uh, I think that's all keys to this game. And, and if the Steelers' offense can go, I don't see why, any reason why the Steelers should be very nervous in this game or Steelers fans should be nervous that the Steelers won't come out of this game with a win. Uh, let's switch over to our X factors. We go towards the close of the preview episode here. And I think there's a couple obvious X factors, but I'm sure you guys maybe differ a little bit from me. Yeah, my pick might be a little against the grain. Um, I'll go with Vince Williams. Um, with the injury of Devin Bush, him being out probably for the rest of the year, a lot of the talk um, with uh, the two middle linebackers in the free forward defense has been centered around Robert Spillane, as it should be. This is He's a guy who wasn't supposed to start for the Steelers. Uh, most casual Steelers fans probably didn't even know the guy's name. And uh, yet here he is, played very well against Cleveland, but now is going to have to replace – 
the first round draft pick last season, one of the only top 10 picks the Steelers have had in a very unexpected manner. But um, I'll go with the other middle linebacker, and that being Vince Williams. Uh, Williams, his main thing has always been stopping the run. He's somewhat of a polarizing figure, I think, um, in Pittsburgh, not to the level of a guy like Le'Veon Bell or even Juju Smith-Schuster, but I think he's a person that some uh, fans might not care for because of uh, his attitude, especially on social media. And also, from an on-field standpoint, how he performs in pass coverage. But I don't think anybody can argue that this guy knows how to stop the run, and I expect him and Derrick Henry to have um, more than one meeting um, on the field Sunday. And if Williams is able to do what he does best and uh, stuff the run going off, going off of what an obvious key is and what my key to the game was. If he's able to meet Henry in the middle, um, drop him for even a loss maybe once or twice, um, that would be huge. And I think this is a big game for Williams. He's a veteran. He's always played with a ship on his shoulder as a six-round draft pick, and I think he's going to be ready. Yeah, I think the horse is definitely the X factor in this game, Uh, the horse being Derrick Henry. This season he has three games up over 100 yards. He has one game over 200 yards, which was the most recent one, uh, the overtime win against uh, the Houston Texans. The the lowest total he's had this season was 57 yards, but that came in a blowout win. Uh, he had 19 carries in the game, so he more than likely should have had more yards, but it wasn't a, a huge issue for the Titans in a game that they won by uh, over three scores. He's absolutely the the number one guy the Steelers have circled uh, this entire week. And we know how well the Steelers have played against the run. Uh, We thought back in week one, if they can limit Saquon Barkley, they have a good chance to win. Saquon Barkley had what could end up being his worst game in in professional football in week one. I don't think they'll do quite that to Derrick Henry. But if they can limit him under 70 yards, I won't quite say 50 yards. If they do that, they will really get the league talking about how good this defense really is. If Derrick Henry doesn't have 50 yards rushing, if they can hold him under 75 yards, though, uh, and maybe keep him out of the end zone, uh, that'd be a huge uh, thing to have happen for the Steelers to win this game. I think those are two good choices by you guys. I think the obvious one for Steelers fans and for some Steelers media folk is probably Robert Spillane. I'm going to stay away from him. I want to go a little bit to James Conner because I think if he can tote the football well and he can rack up some yards and keep that Steelers offense on the field, thus keeping Derrick Henry off the field, I think that's a big part of this game. If the Steelers are able to sustain long drives, be that with those short, quick hitters or with running the football, that's important. But I want to talk about the Steelers' defensive front twofold. Uh, number one, stopping the run. I think that has a lot to do with Robert Spillane and Vince Williams as well uh, from the middle linebacker position. But Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt, and Tyson Alualu, and then T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, all have got to stop the run too. They've got to be a big factor in getting into the backfield and making sure when the Titans do roll out their play action that they're not biting on the run and completely selling out to get Derrick Henry and, and be honest to the fact that the play action has been really good for Tennessee this year. And I also think that's the twofold part of it. That's when Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt need to be in the backfield hitting the quarterback. And Cam Hayward, other guys need to be in there hitting Ryan Tannehill as much as possible when he does drop back to pass and in those play-action situations, getting to the quarterback and doing what the Steelers have done all year and getting to the quarterback is really important in this game. 
uh, as well for me from an X-factor standpoint is that Steelers defensive front. And, and for you guys, I think those are good choices as well. Let's talk about what we think is going to happen in this game. Tennessee right now, as we record, this is a one-and-a-half point favorite. That's a home team that normally gets three points just because they're at home. There will be some fans in Tennessee. It's essentially a coin flip on the money line right now, and rightfully so. It's two 5-0 and football teams, and we mentioned the stat earlier about what happens when two undefeated teams meet this late in the NFL season. So what do we have here? Yeah, I'm going to go Titans 20 free, Steelers 20. Um, I'm predicting this partially due to respect for Tennessee and partially – um, because of the fact that the Steelers aren't going to go 16-0. and And aside from the two upcoming meetings with Baltimore, this is as logical a time as any to pick a Steelers loss. I think that even if the Steelers can contain Derrick Henry, you still have Ryan Tannehill to worry about. Um, Ryan Tannehill is not Baker Mayfield. Uh, he's a veteran quarterback, um, knows what he's doing, uh, Can is a guy that I would trust if I were a Tennessee fan not to make a mistake in a key situation. And I think he'd be up to the challenge should the passing game become more essential due to Henry not being as effective as usual. So I don't think this would be a game that Steelers, uh, anybody within the Steelers organization or the fan base should panic um, for any reason due to losing. I mean, worst case scenario coming out of this game, uh, you're five and one, so that's really not a bad place to be um, by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's going to be a close, um, hard-fought, somewhat um, defensive-heavy game. The Titans haven't done well against the spread this season, aside from the game against Buffalo. Um, I think they might have two wins um, against the spread. I don't know if that's exactly right, but in any case, they're a team that likes to play close, nip and tuck, um, not sure until the final minutes type games. And I don't think this is going to be any different. So I predicted the Steelers to lose earlier this season. I was against the Texans and I was wrong there. Hopefully I'm wrong here, but in any case, my prediction is Titans by a field goal, 23-20. I'm going to have the Steelers win this game and actually have them win by more than a score. Uh, I'll go Steelers 23, Titans 14. Uh, I, I think like Joe said, a lower scoring game. The Titans have scored over 40 points in the last two games they've had on their schedule. That's not going to happen against the Steelers' defense. I don't see any way it happens. And I think that the Steelers' focus right now is better than we've probably seen in 10 years. Uh, I, we all expected a close game against the Browns, which up until this game was the biggest game of the season against a 4-1 and one divisional opponent. And they wiped the floor with them. So the the focus was through the roof. Uh, you couldn't say the same about the team on the visiting sideline. But I, I think that the Steelers have kept it up to a pretty high level all season. And that's why this team is at a 5-0 record for the first time since the late 1970s. Uh, and, you know, there will be games the Steelers lose on this schedule. Uh, probably next week will be uh, a time when I pick – the, the Ravens to beat the Steelers uh, and there, there will probably be an upset loss, you know, here and there. But I think in the, in a clash of two of the best teams in the AFC right now, I like the Steelers on the road in the matchup against Tennessee. I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to go a 10 point deficit. I'm going to go Pittsburgh 27, Tennessee 17 in this game and I've flip-flopped a little bit around I had a 27-21 a little bit earlier today but I'm feeling inspired I guess the Steelers 27-17 and I think it's a lot because I think to Donnie's point the focus is there uh, Ben Roethlisberger looks 
really good this season. James Conner, I think, will exceed expectations this week. And I think that the receiver room has been really good for the Steelers as well. And I'm pretty confident in the Steelers' defense to not bottle up Derrick Henry, but to contain him and make sure he doesn't go for 200 and a couple of scores. If that's the case for the Steelers, then you know we're going to be singing a different tune on Monday in Steelers' reaction if they allow that. But I just can't see it happening. And I like Ryan Tannehill. I think he's played really well this season. Uh, but I will uh, go with the Steelers 27-17 here. And I, I agree with Donnie. Next week will be the first time I pick against Pittsburgh uh, in Baltimore uh, come week eight. But that will wrap it up for episode 26 of the Come On Network podcast and this week's Steelers preview episode. A reminder, you can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get and consume your podcast, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or another. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's at Comon, C-O-M-O-N, Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K on Twitter and IG. You can also find us on the web, Network. There you can find blog stories like our Steelers post-game commentary, which will be up within a few hours after the game on Sunday. Features, columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes. You can learn more about our team. And you can shop our merch collection, which is live at Network backslash store. We'll talk to you on Monday morning or wherever you get or whenever you rather listen to the Steelers reaction episode. Until then, stay safe, go Steelers, and come on.